4. John chapter 4. I'm going to spend some time this morning looking at verses 27 to uh, 42 specifically and um, if you remember in this story of Jesus as he interacted with this lady at the at the well at Jacob's well this Samaritan woman and um, it's a fascinating account that we see here you might remember that uh, Jesus comes and he asks this woman for a drink of water and uh, they began to have a conversation, and Jesus uses this, he uses illustration of, of physical water and, and physical thirst to, to bring out spiritual truths of how he himself satisfies the spiritual thirst of our, our hearts and the, and the deepest longings of the soul, and, and, and only Jesus can fulfill those things, and um, then Jesus proceeds to, he tells her about her personal life um, with, with her, her many husbands and, and the man she is, is now with, um, she's not married to. And response, this, this Samaritan woman says, she can see that, that Jesus is a prophet by the fact that he knows these things about her past. And um, also says, she says she knows something about this Messiah or, or this Christ that's supposed to come, and he'll tell, tell them all things. At that point, Jesus, in a very direct way here, in, in verse 26, he responds to her and says, I, I who speak to you am he. And he reveals himself to her. And, and so this morning, following that, we're going to look at part of the story that maybe is not... Um, talked about or looked at as much, but it, it's the result or the effect of this conversation at the well. Not only the effect on the life of this, this Samaritan woman, but also the effect on the lives of so many that, that she knew and interacted with. So uh, follow with me in your copy of God's Word this morning. I'm going to read uh, verses 27 to 42. It says, just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. 
I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. So we look at at this account um, in, in John 4, and we see this lady's testimony to these people from the town. And we know that, that testimonies are, are such a gracious gift of God to his people. Um, they, they serve both believers and non-believers. When we hear testimonies shared, for believers, they're, they're a great source of encouragement. Uh, they're an opportunity to join with others in, in thanksgiving and in praise to God for, for what he's done. The way that he's answered prayer. Uh, the way that he has, has saved people for himself. You know, whether it's sharing here at, at Flat Creek and with our church family or it's, it's over um, on, in the other part of the world and you know, on a dirt floor in, in a village in Assam, India. Um, and those brothers and sisters there. Just, just to hear the power and the goodness and the sovereignty of God through, through all sorts of different situations in the lives of, of our brothers and sisters in Christ. It gives us such a reason for, for great joy and great worship of Him. For non-believers, testimonies are an opportunity to, to share with them the, the same power and the same majesty and same goodness and same faithfulness of God. And we share it with those we love, and we want them to know the truth of who Christ is and what He has done. That the Lord might, in some way, work in their hearts to lead them to repentance of their sin and faith in Him. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning as we come to this account, these verses of Scripture in John 4. We're going to look at three truths from this text. Um, that it teaches us about the power and the effectiveness of a faithful testimony. And so the first point that we see um, in in this text is that an effective testimony begins with an encounter with Jesus. Begins with an encounter with Jesus. We've already mentioned this morning how how Jesus was there at the well and he, he struck up this conversation with this Samaritan woman and and it's a very unusual encounter with Jesus, too. Um, so many times um, when we see Jesus speaking with, with, with someone, he, does, he doesn't speak to them this way. It's very rare that he opens himself up and reveals so much of who he is so directly to someone in, in a conversation, one-on-one, the way he does with this, this lady at the well. Um, you know, for example, like with the, the, the Pharisees and the scribes, so many times he, he, Jesus doesn't respond to the question, or he answers the question with a question, 
or he answers in some other kind of, of cryptic way, like through a parable or, or something like that. But here he comes out very directly and, and, and states that he is indeed the Messiah. And another time we see this is in, in John's gospel is a little later on in chapter 9. Um, with the man who had been born blind, Jesus asked the man he, if he believed in the Son of, of Man. And, and the man asked Jesus, who is he, sir, that I, that I might believe in him? And Jesus answered him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. It's an incredible way that Jesus come, comes forward and, and to these particular individuals and shares who he is. I was... Um, had the, the blessing of really listening to a, a message this week by A.W. Tozer on this passage. And he starts to talk about kind of the why of this passage. Why would, would Jesus speak to um, this Samaritan woman the way that he does? And, and, and we're not told um, in this passage exactly why um, that he does this, that he reveals himself in such a unique and, and such a profound way to this woman at the well. But it is worth noting that in all of his conversations with, with the Pharisees and scribes and the lawyers, um, he didn't reveal so much of himself to them as he did to this uh, really disreputable Samaritan woman. I mean, I mean three things really this, this lady had against her. First of all, she's a Samaritan. And we're told earlier in the, the story that, that Jews didn't have anything to do with Samaritans. Um, she's a woman. In, in that day in culture, women were not treated um, the, the way that we do today. And third thing she had against her is what she was um, disreputable. She, she had been, had five husbands and, and now was with a man that she was not married to. And so this, this led Reverend Tozer here to conclude that there could have very well been something to this woman's humility and to her sincerity that led Jesus to interact with her this way. And he, he said, if this is indeed the case, then this, this interaction between this woman and this Jesus, and Jesus stands as an everlasting rebuke to human self-righteousness. This dire warning here against religious pride and arrogance and self-sufficiency that that define the Pharisees and the scribes and the lawyers. And uh, we see that how this lady came and she spoke with Jesus. She listened intently to him. She engaged with him and, and asked questions of him. And she was genuinely seeking to understand. Um, again, in, kind of in contrast with the, the Pharisees and, and the scribes, many times we're told that they came and asked Jesus in order to trap him. Um, she came seeking to understand. And after this encounter with Jesus, we see um, the enthusiasm with which she responded. John records for us the detail there in verse 28, that the woman left her water jar and went into the town. So she's, she's so overtaken with, with this Jesus that she'd been talking to, she left her belongings. And she went to the town and told others to come and to see. Um, another point that we perhaps can, can draw from this encounter that um, this Samaritan woman had with Jesus, um, it actually mentioned, uh, again, I was, I was reading and, and listening this past week and 
Pastor uh, John MacArthur mentioned this. I found it very interesting. Um, he points out for a woman who, when you think about it, a woman who had had five husbands, now living with a man who is not her husband, no doubt in a town, in a small town, um, these facts would have been very well known, right, by everybody. Um, and, and it would have been a very, uh, very much been a reason for uh, shame, this woman to live in, in shame at, at the choices she had made, the lifestyle that she had lived. But then he says this. He, he asks, well, what happened to this lady's shame? And she goes into this town and she's just telling everybody what Jesus had done. He says, I'll tell you what happened to her shame. Hebrews calls it a cleansed conscience. That's what happens when you're regenerated. The conscience was cleansed. She had been purged. Her sin, which was once her shame, was now part of her testimony. This man told me everything I'd done exposed my sin. She was compelled to face herself. She lost her shame. She wanted to share her discovery. She couldn't wait. And so because of this encounter here with Jesus, this Samaritan woman at Jacob's well had this testimony that she, she could go share with others. And the same is true for us. We cannot share a testimony about Jesus until we ourselves encounter Jesus. Um, and we're not going to, uh, of course, stand face to face with him at Jacob's well at, at noon the way this woman did. But we do, we do encounter him. And where is it that we encounter him? It's in the scriptures. We find him in the word. So it is in the word that the Son has been revealed to us. We, we must go there to meet and to encounter Jesus. A verse that uh, explains this so well is Romans 10, verse 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So we come to Scripture and, and there we find the Son of God who loved us and, and who gave himself up for us. We read, in the Old Testament, law and, and the prophets and the writings about a, a Savior who is going to come. Reading the Gospels of Jesus' life and His death and His, his resurrection. We read in the New Testament uh, epistles about the, the theological meaning and, and all the implications of all that Jesus accomplished. For example, um, Pastor Kerry has been leading us through uh, 1 Peter and, and we read there at the end of chapter 2. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. What an incredible text that is. That he has saved us by his substitutionary death for us and for our sins, and as we repent, of those sins and place our faith in Him. He is the one who saves. Um, another example of, of how important it is to find Christ in, in the Scriptures is every week at, at the end of the service, um, it, you know, Pastor Kerry will say that we can't save you, but we can take you to a private prayer room and with an open Bible can show you how it is that you might be. Saved. It's an absolutely essential part of what we do. We show others from the Word how it is they may be saved. We encounter Jesus in the Word of God. 
And as we do so, the Spirit of God works, works to regenerate hearts and to enable to, uh, people to willingly repent and believe and to love and to long for and to serve Jesus as Lord with their lives. And therefore, we have a testimony to give of what the Lord has done in us to save us for himself. And so, uh, first, it begins with an encounter with Jesus. Secondly, we see this morning, an effective testimony, after it begins with an encounter with Jesus, it brings, uh, it leads us to bring those whom we're sharing Jesus with to him through his word. We see this here in verse 29, when the woman of the well, she told the people of the town, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. It's interesting, as many have pointed out, that she didn't say, go and see this man, but instead, come and see. She was going to return with him to go back to Jesus, to be with him and, and to speak with him further, which is, is always the case for someone that has had an encounter with him. Later on in the chapter, in verses 41 and 42, it says, Many believed because of his word. And later on, they said it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves. And they, then they say, we know he's indeed the Savior of the world. It's very, it very much reminds us of John uh, chapter 1. And when he was calling the, the disciples, it says, uh, this one of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. In 42, he brought him to Jesus. A few verses later, it says, Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. So the, the testimony that we share of what the Lord has done in our lives itself, it doesn't bring about salvation, but rather it leads other people to Jesus, who in turn brings salvation. We see here in verse 34, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. And, and what is that work? It's the work of salvation, the, the salvation of a people for his own glory. Jesus said, Luke 19, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. John 10, he said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And the very last words we see of the the people of the town this morning in verse 42, he's the Savior of the world. So yes, we go and we share what the Lord has done for us. But that should be an avenue, or that should be a way for, for us to then bring them to Jesus himself, found in the Word in order that they might believe and be saved and have eternal life. When we think about this, I'm reminded of of an illustration that um, Paul Washer gave one time. He was, uh, said he was somewhere just outside of Alaska, a really remote 
place and he was, he was preaching in the church and he said that a, a man came into the service um, as he was preaching, holding a, had a folder in his hand and, um, and after the, the, he sat down and, and after the service was over, um, Brother Washer went and, and was talking to this guy and um, man said that in, in that folder that he was holding were test results. He had received from the doctor telling him he didn't, he didn't have long to live at all. And, um, and he, he described this guy, said he, he worked like on a, on a cattle ranch. He was big and burly, just a mountain of a man, just a, a man's man. And, and the guy's talking to him and he said, I've never been to church. I've never read a Bible. I heard something one time about some guy named Jesus. Um, and I've never been scared of anything in my life. But I'm scared now because I'm going to die, and I don't know what to do. And so Paul Washer begins sharing the gospel with him. And he asked the man, he said, do you understand what I'm saying to you? The man said, oh, of course. Of course I understand what you The, the truths were so simple. Anybody can understand that, but, but I don't get it. Like, it, is that it? That's it? I just, you, you tell me some things, and I, I don't understand. And so he... He continued to speak with the man, and they continued for hours together, reading through Scripture and, and praying. And, and finally, after some time, they went back to John 3.16. Um, he had the man read, read the verse one more time. About halfway through reading that verse out loud, the man got really choked up, and he, he began to weep. And he, he looked at, at Paul and he said, I've been saved. I'm saved. My sins are forgiven. My hands are clean. He saved me. And, and Paul Washington, he asked the man, he's like, how, how, do you, how do you know you've been saved? And he said the man looked at him through, through his tears, almost exasperated, and said, haven't you ever read this verse before? And so it's this, this through the witness of, of Paul Washer, it, it led this man to Jesus in the Scripture who in turn saved his soul. And that's how our testimonies work. An effective testimony, as we said, begins with our encounter with Jesus, then leads us to bring others to Jesus through his word. And the third thing we see this morning is that an effective testimony bears fruit for Jesus. And, and what we see in this passage is, is one of those interesting things that happens um, sometimes when we're reading through our Bibles, we, we have this entire account of this um, Samaritan woman from, from verses 1 through verse 42. But if you look at it, when we get to verse 31, it, it's almost like there's, there's a pause in the story th that runs from verses 31 to 38. And, and during this pause, there's this private conversation um, that John records that takes place between Jesus and his disciples. And there, Jesus, he, he starts to speak to and, and to teach his disciples about sowing and reaping. He teaches them about planting and, and in gathering in the fruit of the harvest. And beginning in verse 35, Jesus says, Do you not say, there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? And, and some have said that this is um, it's kind of a general proverb of the way that life works, 
you know, kind of like, you know, we would say the early bird gets the worm or, you know, uh, even a broken clock is right twice a day. You know, something along those lines, this general statement about life. Um, some say that it refers to the, the actual time of year when Jesus was teaching. So it would have, have literally been from the time he's teaching to four months when the, the harvest would be ready. Um, but either way here, the point Jesus is making is clear, right? It's a fact of life. There's a time lag between when you plant something and when you pick it, when it yields the crop. It's just the way it works. There has to be time for the crop to grow and mature and ripen to be ready for harvest. But then Jesus says, look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. So there's a, a transition that happens here from this literal sowing and, and reaping of crops to the work of the gospel. Sowing here becomes an illustration of, of all the work of, of teaching and preaching and sharing, building relationships with those who are lost. Reaping, on the other hand, is an illustration of, of seeing those to whom we've, we've been teaching and, and those to whom we've been preaching come to faith in Christ and to be born again. And specifically here, the fruit that, that Jesus says is ripe for harvest to his disciples are the souls of those Samaritan townspeople that we talked about earlier who were coming out to see him as a result of this woman's testimony. Jesus continues in verse 36, Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life. The one who is able to share the word with those who are lost, the one who is able to, to see them make a profession of faith, to see them born again, receives the wages of, of great joy at seeing them saved. Jesus said in, in the parable of the, the lost sheep, he says, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents and over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. As a matter of fact, this joy, Jesus says at the end of verse 36, is not only the joy of the one that reaps and, and sees this come to fruition, but it's also the joy of the one who sows so that they will rejoice together. So in this instance, Jesus had sowed. The Samaritan woman, through her testimony, had sowed. Now it was time for the disciples to go and to, to speak with, to counsel with, to teach these Samaritan people the good news of the gospel. And to see them repent and, and believe. And then all who were there would, would rejoice at the work that God was doing among them. Verse 37 and 38, Jesus says, For here the saying holds true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. As we said, Jesus had sown by revealing himself to, to the woman at the well. Um, she had then sown by going into the town and, and giving her testimony and faithfully sharing what, what Jesus had done and, and said to her. We could go back even further. Uh, Moses and the prophets 
had sown in, in their writings of the Old Testament, which the, the Samaritans had and, and read. Um, John the Baptist, who had come before Jesus, had sown in teaching and in preaching. There, there's a whole line of people that God had used to prepare these fields to be white for the harvest. And now, at this particular time, these disciples have the distinct privilege and the honor of stepping into that long line of work and long line of preparation to see people saved, to see them born again as a result of all the work that had been done in the past. It's an amazing thing um, that the Lord would grant, grant that to them to, to be able to, to see fruit of this happen. And we know that it does happen. It did hold true. Verses 39 and 41. 39 says, many believed from the town. Verse 41 says, many more believed. So what Jesus said had indeed come to pass. There was fruit from this lady's testimony as she went and shared. But there is something that we need to be careful of this morning. We... We are promised in Scripture that the faithful sharing of our testimony and, and, and when we faithfully bring people to Jesus through His Word, it will bear fruit. We're reminded of, of the words of the prophet Isaiah in chapter 55. He says, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose. It shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. We know that's true. However, we're not promised that we'll always see that fruit realized. Or that we'll know the effects of, of the faithfulness of our testimony and our ministry. Or that the fruit will look like what we think it should look like. But knowing here that the Lord does indeed use faithfulness of His people to accomplish His purpose and that His purpose will be accomplished. It's great encouragement to those who labor for him. We think of, of the stories that we hear um, from around the world and, and from, from history of, of missionaries on the field. They've left their families. They've left their homes. They've, they've left everything familiar. And they go and labor among a foreign people for years and years. And don't see a single convert. They don't see the Lord working, doing anything in the lives of the people. And they're earnestly pouring out their lives for them day after day. We think of those who are here. You know, our, we have family members, we have friends, we have loved ones, and we, we share with them and we pray for them over years. But yet we know that in our faithfulness to share our testimony and to, to be faithful to, to share what the Lord has done and to bring them to Christ, that He does indeed work. As Paul wrote uh, to the Corinthians in chapter 15, it says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. It's not in vain. It's not wasted. The Lord will use it. And so what we 
see this morning from this text of, and this example of this testimony of this uh, Samaritan woman, when we think and read and reflect on this passage, may we be believers who do faithfully go in and share what God has done in our lives and, and faithfully bring others to Jesus through his word and, and sit down with them and read it with them and, and share with them. And then we will rejoice. We will rejoice at the fruit that the Lord produces for his glory. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this text. Um, Lord, the, the souls we see that, that came out to, to you to see the Son of God and heard and believed. Father, as we look at this text, I pray that you would help us. Lord, may we be obedient to you. May we, um, Lord, serve you. Father, may we share our testimony uh, with, with great um, eagerness as we see in this account. Father, we love you and we praise you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.